Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi Grant and welcome to the show. Richard, thanks for letting me hang out with you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I've known you for a while. It's the first time we've met in person, but I've followed you as somebody who's had an influence on me as I've built out my own business and the speaking component of that. What I know about you is you've had your own highly successful speaking career. You've then transitioned, you built out a business called the Speaker Lab, which helps professional speakers um, get booked and paid to speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, prepare their, their keynote. Uh, and, and monetize it and create a successful business. And I know you've really built that business out in a robust way over the last few years. So I think today, what I'd love to do is just dig into perhaps your own story, but also what are the tips that you have as somebody who's a public speaking expert for people who are you know, in the corporate world, not necessarily professional speakers, and then perhaps people who are tr- transitioning out of that world, yeah. and who perhaps do feel there's an opportunity, there's a message that they have that they want to take to a wider stage. Does that awesome. sound like a plan? Yeah. Let's do it. We got a lot of ground to cover. Let's get to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, um, well, why don't we just um let's just dive into that first point, right? There's many, many uh exec, you know, CEOs, obviously, many listen to this show, but also levels, one or two levels below that. Mm-hmm. They've come through the ranks because they're a finance expert, they're an operations expert, there's a sales expert. And at some point, they're asked to present at conferences, represent the business yep. um, on a wider stage, um, perhaps engage in very public forums. And they probably had a little bit of training, but they probably haven't had what you've gone through <laughs> as sure. a public speaker for many years. So what would you, what advice would you give as, as people are kind of looking at that part of their of their career? They probably haven't really invested in it dramatically. They've probably been on a, mm-hmm. a four-hour training course here and there what would be some of the the, the main tips that you would, you'd want to point to people to? Yeah, you're exactly right that there are a lot of people who who may be watching or listening who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves professional speakers. They don't want to speak at 100 gigs a year, but internally within their company or representing their company, they're maybe speaking at a few things here and there. And uh, again, maybe they want to do more. Maybe they're just like, I just want to do these couple and that's it. And for a lot of people, like speaking can be very intimidating. It can be very daunting and and, and perhaps even stressful. And so uh, one of the best things you can do is really spend the time ahead of time to practice and prepare. And so uh, uh, an analogy to kind of think about is think back to you know high school or college university and you remember like showing up for a test or an exam and like you kind of had a choice like going into it you could either i'm just going to show up and wing it and i hope it all works out and typically that just that's a disaster waiting to happen or you really spend the time of okay i'm going to study i'm going to prepare i'm going to review practice notes i'm going to uh, go over study guides i'm going to review questions i'm going to just do i'm going to put in the work so whenever you show up to take that test yeah you may still feel some of those butterflies and and uh, adrenaline and excitement but at the same time there's there's 
there's a level of confidence of going like, I put in the work, I'm ready for this. And, and that's really the case with speaking as well, that the people who are just like, yeah, I'm just going to make it up. I'm just going to shoot from the hip. I'm just going to scribble some nap, some ideas on a napkin and hop up there and wing it. Like, I, I just, I do not recommend that at all. That's a horrible, horrible way to approach speaking. So the best thing you can do is, again, really spend the time to practice, to go through it, to really think through what you're going to communicate, the main ideas that you want to communicate it, the sequence and order that you want to communicate it, and then even spend the time like going through that that presentation. So if I'm working on a new talk or presentation, uh, one of the things I'll do is I, I will walk it through like out loud, saying it as if I'm actually presenting it, how I'm going to do it, pacing, inflection, tone, all of that stuff. I'm, I'm just thinking those things through ahead of time. And, you know, you think about um, whether it's a, a, a musician or a comedian or a professional athlete, you know, like they, they, they don't just get up on the stage or the field or the court and just, they just automatically do something like they spend a lot of time behind the scenes practicing. And so you may see them and it may look effortless up on stage, but it's because they've spent so much time behind the scenes, just getting ready and preparing for that moment. So again, whether you want to speak a hundred times a year, or you want to speak once a year, then it's important to really take the time to practice and prepare so that you're ready uh when it comes time to take the stage yeah that's it's 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 really challenging though right because i think in the corporate world what i see is first thing is people don't always have the economy of scale right so if you're a speaker you can practice once and you might do the same talk a hundred times yeah in the corporate world it can be a bit more different so i i think a lot of people have a bit of a resistance oh my word this is just for this one or two presentations that I need to do yep and sometimes people I think as a result might then lean too heavily on oh I've got done some slides that's enough for me to speak to Mm -hmm. so when you're talking about thinking about the structure and and things um first of all are you thinking that in the context of people using slides or or more in terms of just getting up to make their points free form? Yeah, well, I think uh, I'll give you a couple of thoughts here. Well, one, I think there's a real correlation between the amount of time that would be required to prep for something related to how high are the stakes of the presentation, okay? So if you're doing, let's say, just a little, you know, you're doing a weekly internal presentation for your, you know, your yeah, team or team. department of 10 people, eh, it probably doesn't need to take much time. But let's say you're doing, you know, a, a presentation for 10 people and it's the, you know, it's the board of directors or some potential investors or people who are looking to uh, uh, you're, you're looking to, to buy or merge or they're looking to buy you or like some like high stakes presentation. Like even if it's a, it's a small group of 10 people, like you, you probably want to increase the amount of prep that goes into it. I think it's also important to note that that uh, speaking again is, is one of those skills that people associate with credibility, with authority, with expertise. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be overly polished and charismatic or anything like that but the more like that you are prepared the more articulate you are the more likely people are going to take you seriously like there's a real a real yeah. correlation there so it's definitely something to consider now as it relates to like slides i'll kind of give you my overarching thoughts on slides i kind of have a love hate relationship with slides i think mm. Um, slides are, are, can be effective. Um, but one of the things I was, uh, would encourage speakers is that, um, slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Let me say that again. Slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. So here's kind of a litmus test. Let's say that five minutes before you're supposed to go on stage, you're supposed to speak. 
the projector breaks, your computer doesn't work, technology just does not cooperate, which is going to happen sometimes. If that happens, is your talk still ready? Are you as a speaker still ready? I, I remember um, uh, I was at a conference one time and the speaker was having some trouble with the slides. I think we were just like in a workshop or breakout and the speaker was having some trouble and they basically said like, hey, I can't give my talk if my slides don't work. I was like, well, then you shouldn't be up here in the first place, right? So the talk should stand on its own own and if you add slides it should just enhance the talk but it shouldn't make the it shouldn't be a replacement for the talk so personally like kind of a pet peeve of mine and i think for a lot of audience members is when a speaker kind of uses slides as cue cards or they use it as a script and i'm just going to put up a bunch of words and i'm just going to read from that now if you're going to um again don't hear what i'm not saying like slides can be really really effective slides can be really powerful if i'm telling you about you know this um uh oh let me give an example there there's a, um, a friend of mine who's a speaker and she was talking about uh, when her daughter was born and her, her daughter was born very, very prematurely, was a tiny little baby, had all these like um, uh, monitors and, and wires and stuff hooked up to this little child. And so she's describing this. Well, then she shows a picture of that. And it's, you know, it's a little, little tiny baby just in the palm of her hand and all these different, again, wires and cords and cables and monitors hooked up. And it's like, the, wow, the, pa- the picture is really, really powerful, right? And I mean, she can explain that and describe it, but the picture is going to be able to communicate way more than what she could verbally. So again, all that to say, like slides can be really, really, really effective, but you know, the, the negative connotation is that so many speakers just use them poorly that they can, they can be a detriment. So if you're going to use them, make sure that you're using them as an enhancement, not as a replacement for your mm-hmm. talk. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it's, it's a great point. I, the thing that really struck me was your point earlier on around the preparation time being related to the stakes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I try to help my clients focus on is where are these upcoming moments of truth, right? And r- those are the ones you really need to nail. And yep. I think that's really your point here because very often, very often I might get called in, for example, by a CEO to work with somebody in their team or, and often one of the key issues is they're not somehow being credible in key, mo- in key discussions, perhaps with investors or with the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and often it's because the competency is all there. They probably even can present when they put their mind to it, but they haven't, if you like, over-indexed on that moment of truth to say, that's where I need to nail it. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, probably they do, they probably say they haven't got the time, but of course, how many pointless meetings and emails have they been dealing with in the last sure. week where they could have actually carved out that time and really crafted the presentation Yeah. And uh, let me give you another example. So if you were to ask me right now, like Grant, tell me about whenever you proposed to your wife, like I could tell you that story right there. I was there. I lived it. But if you gave me 30, yeah. yeah. Um, But if you gave me like 30 minutes to really like sit down and think about it and just think about all the different details and nuance of it, like what was the weather like and where were we? And what did I say? What did she say? You know, what did we talk? What what led up to that moment? And, you know, what was the, the, our relationship like at that time? And all right, after I, what, what, like, what did I say to her? Where, you know, who, who, uh, who did we call uh, afterwards? Who are the first people that we contact? Where did we go next? You know, what was, did, did she cry? Did I cry? You know, like just thinking through all the nuance and detail 
And if you, you gave me a minute to literally like ponder that, and then I came back and presented it, it's probably going to be a better story. Mm-hmm. So the default oftentimes, uh, and, and I think this is just because we're, we're busy slash lazy is just like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just tell that story. I, I was there. I can wing it and, and probably come up with a decent story. But again, if you really take the time to think about it and all the nuance and detail of it, again, you're going to be able to craft and communicate a much, much better story. Yeah. One of the things I like to say to clients I work with is you can't move others unless you moved yourself. Sure. And so sometimes I think, especially in the business context, people can shy away from getting to that place where it's a little bit edgy emotionally and they actually bring that. But yeah. of course, when you do it, it lights everything up. It brings everything to life. Everybody leans in and engages. I think sometimes in the corporate context, people can... Yeah, it'd be boring, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, one thing I remind speakers of all the time is that as a speaker, you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. Therefore, act like a human. Like we've all been in audiences before or we've seen speakers where it's it's almost robotic and it's almost formulaic. And they are like, you can just tell they are so deep in their own head. And I have to say it just like this. And then I take five steps over here and then I move my hand like that. And it's just like, it's like overly polished and overly scripted. And it's like, that's not a human, that's a robot. Like, so as a human talking to a collection of other humans, like act like a human, like, because at the end of the day, like you're, you're also uh, the, the more relatable you are, the, the easier it is to connect with an audience and to build that rapport and that relationship where they're going to be a lot more likely to engage with you, to listen to you and pay attention to what you, what you're, what you're bringing to the audience. Yeah. No, fascinating. Let's change gears a little bit, Grant. I- I know you're a CEO in your own right, right? You build a successful business. You have you know, um, a, 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 a team and, you know, you've done something, I think, on the, especially in the online world, which is really quite unique as far as I've seen it, which you've really built out quite a sizable um, uh, organization around, you know, really a core set of products around having public speakers kind of go to market. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a bit about how you made that evolution from, um, you know, a, solo, a solopreneur, if you like, to really building out a, a genuine organization. What was that? What was that path like for you? Yeah. So if we go back in time for a little bit, um, I was speaking full time for close to a decade and I was doing about 60, 70 paid speaking gigs a year all over primarily the US. And uh, and I, I loved it. I, I had an absolute blast. Um, but I, I, I remember a friend telling me one time, like speaking is a high paying manual labor job. It's kind of like a surgeon, like a, a surgeon makes really good money, but the nature of it is like they have to show up and do surgery, you know? And so as a speaker, I would get paid really, really well to stand on stage and talk. But I had to get on a plane. I had to leave my family. I had to go somewhere else. And so it was just kind of like, all right, I, I got a cool, a, a cool job, but at the end of the day, it's still a job. And, uh, and so business and, and having like truly owning a business, being an entrepreneur was something that was really appealing. And so after speaking for several years, I had a lot of people who were just asking me like, hey, I want to do that. I want to be a speaker. How would I go about doing that? And it's a lot of the same questions that I had when I got started. I was going like, how do you find speaking gigs? And who hires speakers? And how much do you speak about? And um, uh, like, how does this mysterious black box work? You know, And that's what it is. The, the speaking industry is for so many people is you've probably done some speaking gigs here and there. Maybe some stuff's fallen in your lap, some word of mouth, some referrals, which is great. But if you wanted to be a little bit more proactive with it and do five five or 10 or 50 gigs a year. Like, how do you actually do that? 
And so uh, uh, we had figured out some good processes and systems to to help grow, you know, my my own speaking business. And so I was like, I, I think we can teach that. And so we started doing a little bit of coaching, a little bit of teaching, a little bit of training. Created our, our first course around that. That was going well. I had a lot of people who were asking me like, hey, can you do some additional coaching? Can you do some group coaching? Can you do some one-on-one coaching? And that kind of led to, okay, this is starting to become bigger than myself. So then you're, you know, you're kind of hiring a few people to help here and there, help with some operation stuff or some administrative type stuff or help with some technical stuff on, you know, webinars and and email lists and opt-ins and sales pages and checkout pages and that sort of thing. And uh, and so really, as the business continued to evolve, we continued just to hire additional roles, hiring a, uh, a marketing director and then a marketing team and a sales director and a sales team and um, our, our student success director and, and a team of coaches. And so, yeah, we're at uh, probably like low 30s in, in terms of just headcount right now with the with the team, um, which we were talking a little bit beforehand before we started recording, which is certainly way bigger than I ever anticipated it would mm. be. Um, but I, I think like one thing that's worked really, really well for us the process and and um uh is that we've been really really intentional about the culture of the company and so we are a completely virtual company i'm based in uh, nashville tennessee uh I work from home we've got people all over literally all over the world um but the majority of our team members are, are here in the u.s um we get together in person once or twice a year for uh like a team retreat but for the most part like we we live in in slack or email or zoom and and yeah. that's how we communicate but we're really intentional about creating and fostering the type of culture that, that people want to be a part of where where, where not only do they feel like their their teammates uh, um, care about them, that their work that they're doing is valuable, but they also know like they're they're making a real difference. So, you know, when we're when we are working with speakers like yourself who are going, hey, I want to be a speaker. How would I do that? And we're able to coach them and walk them through the process and help them to accomplish their goals as as speakers. Like that's incredibly fulfilling. It's incredibly rewarding. And there's kind of a uh, one thing we talk about internally is it's kind of a, a ripple effect. You know, so Richard, if we help you with speaking gigs and then you go out and you speak, you know, over the course of your career to thousands of people, like we've, we've had a very, very, very mm. small part of that and the impact that you have been able to make by speaking oh. to audiences. So the work that we're doing, I, I think is, is certainly meaningful and rewarding, but I think one other thing that has worked really well for us is um, I, I've heard this adage from various people, but uh, the idea of just hiring really good people and just getting out of the way. Uh, I really have found that to be a very effective for us. So, so I have two uh, questions, actually. I have two questions. Yeah. Before we jump on. So one is around the culture. Many people are struggling right now with creating culture, you know, in virtual circumstances. I mean, it's been a mm-hmm. while since COVID hit, but yep. even so many, it's so alien still for many companies to really do that. So just wondering as a kind of digital native uh, company, um, how do you how have you created that team culture you know independently of the getting together once a year yeah start with that one what what tips do you have around that yeah a few practical things that that we do um one is that and this this sounds really cliche but i think there's a lot of truth to this is um like and it really starts with me as the as the founder and ceo but like genuinely caring for people 
like people can tell a difference when, when, you know, you're just kind of a cog in a wheel or you're just an employee or you're just a, you know, a line item on payroll um, versus like you actually care about them. And so um, we really care about people. We care a lot about who they are outside of work and who they are as, as husbands, as wives, as moms, as dads, as human beings. And so, in fact, one thing I do from like a practical standpoint is I do a, um, a short one-on-one with everybody in the company every single quarter. And so actually, as soon as we're done with this interview, I've got, uh, I got three back-to-back calls, uh, with team members that, um, I, that don't directly report to me that I may only interact with, you know, a mm-hmm. few times a year, but it's just, uh, uh, when we hop on these calls, there's, I have no preset list of questions. There's no, you know, HR thing that we got to get to. It's just me going, Hey, talk to me. How's life going for you? What are you working on? How's things going for you? I, oh, I remember, you know, last time we talked, you were working on this project that has nothing to do with work. And oh, I remember you just took that trip. Tell me about how was that trip? Uh, there was a, I did th- uh, three of these calls yesterday. And so I knew uh, a couple months ago, one of the sales reps I was talking to is like, Hey, you just did a, a trip uh, a couple months ago to Maine. How was the trip? To- Tell me all about it. And so we spent a lot of time just talking about nice. a vacation he had. We didn't talk about work. We didn't talk about, you know, like sales strategies when he's on calls or anything like that. So I think like that type of thing, goes a long way of, again, just really genuinely caring about people. We do, um, we're very intentional about our core values. So as a company, we have three core values, uh, very simple people, ownership, and growth, people, ownership, and growth. And so we, those are not three core values that like, uh, uh, like for some companies where you, uh, you may hear about those in orientation and you may never hear about them again, but it's something like we talk about on a a constant basis. We praise based on those. We reward based on those. We hire, we fire based on those. Uh, and so we want to create a, a culture where like, though these, like we genuinely care about people. We care about growth. We care about ownership. Um, we give people a ton of freedom, flexibility, autonomy, and in, in terms of like how they work as a virtual company. We don't babysit people. We don't micromanage people. We, um, you know, create the, create a, a, a good, healthy sandbox and company and kind of, Hey, here's what, what we want to accomplish. And, um, then it's up to you to figure out like, what's the best possible way to accomplish that and, and when you want to do that and where you want to do that and what makes sense for you. So, um, yeah, those are a few things like, I think off the top of my head that we, yeah. that we've done well. Um, I think also just one other thing I'd say is, um, I think we have a real intentionality about culture. You know, I think for some companies like culture is just kind of a byproduct or an afterthought or kind of a secondary thing. And, because culture is one of those things that's kind of an intangible that it's, it can be hard to measure. It can be hard to quantify and it can be hard to determine if a company has a, a um, healthy culture or not. Cause maybe sometimes things seem good, but beneath the surface, there's, you know, you kind of pull back the curtain or pull back a couple layers and it's just, it's very unhealthy. Um, and so I think just a, a real intentionality about the people that we hire and the, um, how we talk to each other, how we communicate with each other and just our, our interactions, um, the intentionality has, I think, again, overall, just really moved the needle for us. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book 
and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, tell me about the hiring process because you were starting to move on to that and there's, there's a real link here. You talked about hiring great people. Yeah. Easier said than done, right? So totally. what have you learned about hiring people um, who it sounds like you're really, really happy with the team you have. So what have you learned to, about, about that in the context? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think tying into the culture, I think culture is such a big part of hiring great people because when you have a great company, then it starts to attract great people. And I'll give you some examples here. So one thing we talk about a lot internally, um, and this is a real focus of mine on a day-to-day basis as the CEO, is we all understand, everybody watching, listening, like we all understand it's hard to hire great people. It's hard to retain. It's hard to attract great people. And so one of my personal responsibilities is I want the Speak Lab to be the best possible place that our team members ever work. And the reason is... um, that because it's it's hard to attract and, and find those great people, when you have a when you have great people, I always tell people, like, I want to make it really hard for you to leave. Not in a manipulative way, but I want the I don't want to I want I don't want someone to ever feel like the grass is greener somewhere else, right? So I, I remember I had a team member tell me recently, he said, This is the first job that I've had where I haven't been thinking about my next job. I was like, perfect. That's that's what we want. We don't want people think here thinking about how do I get out of here? This sucks. I hate this. Yeah. Like, no, no. Like, I want to make sure that like you're compensated well, that you've got, um, you're doing work that matters. You have teammates that care about you, a company that cares about you. You have good benefits. You have a lot of freedom, flexibility, autonomy. Uh, like, I, I want to make sure that it's checking the boxes for you. Um, in addition, one thing we touched on earlier is uh, like genuinely caring about people, their work life balance. So, for example, we had a um. Uh, a guy who joined us a couple of years ago and he came from a, a tech startup company. It was, you're, you're working 60, 70 hours a week. Um, he was gone all the time, highly stressful, high, high pressure. And he had been working with us for a few months and he came to me and he said, Hey, my wife told me I'm never allowed to leave this company. And I was like, <laughs> why, why is that? And he said, because she said like, my stress is lower. I'm a better husband. I'm a more present father. I'm just like, I'm a different person mm-hmm. because I'm working here. So when, when to me, that's a huge, huge win when spouses, kids, significant others are like my mom, my dad, my husband, my wife, my best friend, my whoever is like. They're a better person because they're working at the speaker lab, right? I just so want to say have- down at this point, Grant, because this is such a great point. I wanna, I wanna, I'm thinking about how many uh, CEOs and, and senior leaders can truly say that about the culture they create in their team. And so I just want to put it as a challenge for anyone listening. Have a yeah. think about that. Like, is that a bar which you can truly say that you are aiming towards or you've you've hit? Or are you actually in that transactional scarcity mindset where you've just got totally. to run after the quarterly goal because for me you know this is the impact multiplier podcast and i like yeah. to say impact is three things it's purpose which is your impact on the the planet on the bigger picture um on your customers whatever it is you've got your 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 profit right but that's fuel for the destination um mm-hmm. and then you've got your people and those are the three areas where you can you can create impact yeah. Um, and actually, the, the profit is serving the other two in many ways. Yeah, because if we get the people part right, we get the culture part right, like the 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 profit, the, the bottom line is going to take care of itself, which has been the case. Like we have had, we, we looked at the other day, uh, we have had 19 straight quarters of revenue and profit growth. 
19 straight quarters, right? Um, and so that's, you know, you can do the math, like that's through the pandemic and everything. Um, yeah. We were looking the other day, we've had, I think it's been 17 months since we lost a team member. 17 months, like people just don't leave, right? So when you have that type of culture, then it does a few things. One, when someone comes in, they immediately feel like there's something different here. I, I wanna be a part of this, right? It also causes when we start looking for a role that people start recruiting and referring fr friends. I'm like, if you're hiring A players, they hang with other A players. They want to attract other A players. So we had had, we'd had a, a sales rep we'd hired a couple months ago he gets in and he's like, this is amazing. And he's like, Hey, can I, I got a friend of mine who um, was kind of a sales trainer and sales leader for me. And can I, can I make an introduction there? And he's looking for something he's looking for a change of scenery. And so uh, had some interviews with him and ended up hiring him. He's been awesome. Just dynamite. Right. Well, like that again, a players attract other a players. Um, so I think that there's also like part of my responsibility uh, as CEO is just keeping on my radar of networking, looking for people. And there, there are people who, uh, that are on my radar that I, I'd, I'd really like to work with them. I don't have a spot for them right now. There's nowhere that would be a natural fit, but part of my responsibility is to continue to build those relationships and continue to network. So that when something may come up or they're looking for something that uh, we can have some type of conversation there, that the, the worst time to start the hiring process is when you actually need someone, right? Nice. If you need someone yesterday, it's like, no, no, I, I like, I want to be having conversations with people now, right. planting seeds, having those conversations so that when the time comes and it makes a little bit more sense for us to hire that role, then, uh, you know, we can, we can continue that conversation. Yeah. Love it. There's so much great stuff there. Thank you. Thanks, Grant. Let's just switch gear again um, uh, before we wrap up. Let's talk about what happens for many people after their corporate phase. Uh, yeah, what I find is I work for leaders and they're either in the middle of their, their corporate role and they're, uh, and they're kind of in the executive space. They're, they've got big goals for their business and they're working on that. That's their entrepreneurs or senior leaders. And then this can be a point in many of their lives when they want to leave that behind. They've done that. They sell their business. They leave, whatever it is. Yeah. And then they're thinking of what's next. And I love helping people think about what's your bigger and more impactful future that can come along. And that can take various, that can take various forms. For some people, it definitely involves, you know what, I have a message actually, that is important to me. And I want to get that out there. And perhaps I'm building a portfolio career where perhaps I'm going to do some board advisory work. Perhaps there's a few other things. But actually, I'll, I'll be good to do some speaking. I've got something here I yep. want to share. Um, what advice would you have, you know, for people who want to think about making that shift? Yeah, what, what, getting into speaking for, as a paid business. What you described there is exactly where a lot of clients and uh, that we work with are at, where the, you know they they've had a, a perhaps a successful career and they, they kind of started thinking about the second half of their career or life, and they're thinking about legacy and how do I share this this message and things that I've learned and lessons that I've learned either personally or professionally. And, and again, maybe they've done some speaking before here and there, but they're just not sure. Like, how, how does that actually translate into a, a speaking business? And how do you, if I wanted to do this more and ongoing, or you know, you speaking as lead generation for some consulting perhaps or, or coaching like how do you even do that right um and so yeah that is definitely a big part of what it is and, and a lot of the the clientele that that we work with at the speaker lab now having said that I, I think that um what like one thing that we do is we teach what we call the the speaker success roadmap that makes the acronym speak and uh the first part of the process um s is probably the most important process and i think where i think we were able to really help 
uh, clients get a lot of clarity on this. But uh, the S stands for uh, selecting a problem to solve, selecting a problem to solve. And mm-hmm. this comes down to two key questions. One is, who do you want to speak to? And number two is, what problem do you solve for that audience? And so this is where so many speakers have such a difficult time. This isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is true for just entrepreneurs, CEOs, owners in, in general. Because when we talk about, you know, who do you want to speak to? For the most part, people are like, I, I don't know. I just want to speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everybody, right? And when we talk about, well, what problem do you want to solve? What do you want to speak about? Sometimes speakers will say, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. I can talk about, you know, business or family or finance or marketing or sales. And it's just like on and on the list goes. And like, that just doesn't work. We think that we need to spread the net as far and wide as possible. I can speak about anything to anybody, but we also understand like that doesn't work. People are looking for specialists, not Mm. generalists. And so an analogy I like to use is you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, the steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning Richard, if you and I are going out to eat, we're looking for a good steak. Like we have a choice. We could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all Mm. mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really well. They don't do lasagna. They don't do pasta. They don't do seafood. They don't do cupcakes. They don't do tacos. They they do steak and that's it. Right? So a steakhouse is not going, but but, but how, how do we appeal to vegetarians? We're a steakhouse. We may not appeal to vegetarians and that's okay. Right? So the same thing is true for a speaker is you're not trying to appeal to anybody and everybody. And it's counter intuitive, but the more narrow, the more focused you are, the easier it is to, to find and attract the right type of gigs that make sense for you. Yeah. It's, it's great in business in general. And definitely as a speaker, I, I I've, can see that and experience that myself. Um, there's that real pain, right? Of deciding where do you focus your firepower? I've got a book coming out as many listeners know, making time for strategy, because I found that one of the biggest issues that my clients face as they think about how do I up-level my own influence is mm-hmm. my attention is distracted on all of this operational stuff. Yeah. I'm not working on the big on the big dials, right? Moving things forward. I don't have time for that. And so for me, that's one of the key problems that I found I've ended I was ending up solving for my with with my clients day yeah. in, day out. That's become the book the keynote and everything else. I do other things when people get to know me, they find all the other areas in which I can help, but that's often a great problem to solve. That is the entrance point for many people, I think. Yeah. And one of the things that we have found um, is that for a lot of, of, uh, CEOs, speakers, or entrepreneurs that we have worked with who are interested in doing more speaking is it's it's hard to see, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. It's hard to read the label from inside the jar because we look at all these different things that we're interested in or have some experience with or passionate about or some knowledge on or interested in perhaps speaking on. And so it's helpful. Like I, I think one of the best things we can do uh, within the speaker lab, uh, and Richard, you can probably attest to this as, as I know you've been a client in the past, is working with coaches who can help kind of clear out the fog and like, okay, let's narrow this down. And it's all just for you. It's kind of just a hodgepodge, but we're able to like kind of work with you to help. Okay. We got all these different puzzle pieces. How, how, like, how do we turn this into something and, and take, take shape here? The other thing I'd remind speakers of is 
uh, like speaking as an iterative process, meaning, you know, initially, like we're making an educated guess of, I think this is what people are looking for. I think this is what the market will, will, will resonate with. And um, I think this aligns with my experience and my connections, my contacts, that sort of thing. But like, let's, let's create version 1.0 and get, and get started here. And then we can pivot and course correct. And, you know, most speakers speak on a variety of different things over the course of their career. They may pivot to different audiences, but it, it's, um, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't at least take that initial step. And so we always talk about how it's much easier to steer a car in motion than it is to steer a car in park. And so we want to say, Hey, let's, let's, let's help you kind of like narrow down, crystallize who you speak to, what problem you solve, and then let's get going. And if we need to pivot or course correct, that's fine, but let's at least get the process happening. Yeah. Get going first. Hey guys, it's been a great conversation. A couple of quick fire questions before we wrap up. The first one is what's a favorite quote? What's something which, uh, you perhaps bore your team with um, by repeating to them on a regular basis or which has influenced you uh, uh, deeply? Yeah, uh, a quote I use all the time that really ties into some of the stuff we were talking about earlier as it relates to culture is that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning, Richard, if you and I are great uh, uh, podcasters, entrepreneurs, speakers, fill in the blank, but we drop the ball as husbands, as dads, as human. If we're a shell of a human being, we're doing it wrong. And so um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. we got three beautiful daughters. So it's me and a house full of women. It's the absolute best. And as much as I love entrepreneurship and speaking and business and podcasting, all those things, my most important roles uh, are being great at home for my girls. Yeah, got it, got it. Totally agree. What about a book? A book? A book that's influenced you? What's something which has really shaped your your professional journey? Yeah, there's a really good book I and I like called uh, Rework um, by Jason Fried, and it's probably I don't know 15, 10, 15 years old or so, but it's a, a great book about um, uh, um, a company called Basecamp, which is a, a SaaS company. They um, kind of a, a project management planning. Uh, tool, but basically they, they are a virtual company that tends to run things in kind of unconventional ways. And so there's a lot of thing, ideas from that book that really resonated with me. So um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a great one to check out rework. Yeah. Thank you. And then quite one of my favorite questions is how do you, where do you go from here? Grant, you built this business. It's going well, it's growing uh, continual, uh, continual growth. Uh, what will you need to do differently yourself to multiply your impact in the future? Yeah, that's a really good question. We were talking a little bit about this earlier. Um, that the Speaker Lab is, is certainly much bigger than than I had anticipated, and and so um, I, part of my responsibility is to continue to think about what's on the horizon and what's in the future. There's a lot of opportunities where we can continue to serve and support speakers and in in, uh, uh, in new ways and better ways. Um, there's no shortage of people who are interested in speaking, but in order for us to continue to grow, like I have to continue to level up as a leader and I have to continue to, uh, to get better at, at leading people, leading teams, um, uh, recruiting, attracting great talent, continue to protect our culture to, uh, continue to, uh, say no, uh, to good opportunities. There's no shortage of things that, that any CEO could be doing. Um, so continue to just say no to good opportunities and good things to say, no, like this is what we do. We're we're a steakhouse and we're really good at that. And taco, I love tacos, but we don't serve tacos. You know, we're a steakhouse. And so continuing to stay focused there um, is a, a big part of my responsibility in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, the steakhouse analogy is, is such a great one because it does really say, you know, for every yes, there's no's that go with it. And we have Absolutely. to really know, really know on that. If you want to get in touch with uh, you or, or, or with, the, with the business, how do they do that? 
Yeah, everything we do is over at the Speaker Lab, thespeakerlab.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts. Uh, and so we have a podcast by the same name, the Speaker Lab Podcast. We've got over 400 episodes there on all different things related to speaking, writing, publishing books, um, that sort of thing, getting your message out there. So definitely check that out. Uh, we also got a book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. So highly recommend that. Uh, we touched on that speak framework, that SPEAK, the speaker success roadmap. Uh, and so it takes that and just goes way in depth on that. So it's a great playbook on, in terms of how do you actually find and book gigs? And so, um, yeah, lots of, lots of, uh, uh, free resources that you can, uh, you can check out there. Yeah. Well, Hey Grant, it's been a great conversation. Uh, as I said, I've, I've been through some of your, um, quite a bit of your, your programs, your, your, your courses and, uh, been really impressed eh, at the way you've put things together to really, to really give clients a great experience. Uh, yeah. And the focus that, that does lead to results. So, um, and I think the insights today, yeah, around, you know, around focus, around essentially focus is a bit of a theme, right? And focus in your preparation, yeah. um, you know, focus around values and culture, uh, and hiring, you know, in, in the business and then focus as a speaker in terms of what do you stand for? What are the problems you solve? What's yeah. the business that you're building? Uh, I think that's, that's been a really, uh, valuable reminder today. So thank you for that and uh, stay in touch. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com. 